Part Nine of Collected Prose by James Elroy Flecker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Philanthropists. My heart goes black with fury and horror when I read their wills. The only consolation one has is that there is another of them dead. Ten thousand pounds to the Wigan Home for Cats, five thousand to the Society for the Suppression of Sunday Amusements, a thousand for the Syrian Lunatic Asylum on Mount Lebanon, and fifty pounds a year, altered by a pencil stroke to twenty-five, for their old and faithful clerk, Mr. Jinks one knows that the philanthropist himself for all his riches got nothing out of life but a sense of his own importance it was he who once prevented maud allen dancing in manchester and it was he who made manchester he never travelled except to lucerne or nice yet he had enough money to have wandered round the world he might have stood on the slope of Tanagra and seen the reflection of the snow-topped mountains of Eubea glide like swans on the still blue waters of the Euripus. He might have floated down the Tigris from Mosul to Baghdad in a raft of skins and been potted by Arabs from the bank. He might have walked beneath heavy Indian skies and understood in a flash, standing in the monstrous shadow of an ancient god, the secret of all empires he might have smoked opium with dim chinese and travelled in his dreams right out of the world to starry isles and planetary oceans he did none of these things if he really preferred to stay at home he might have tried to learn something about the noble pleasures of life he might have discovered why some men still read poetry and some still write it he might have helped some poor devil of a struggling author to publish his works or backed some play a little too good for the british stage he might have appreciated art or music but mendelssohn's elijah was the high watermark of his artistic comprehension blair leighton was good enough for his walls poetry he left to his women-folk who strewed the works of ella wheeler wilcox and mr alfred noyes on their drawing-room tables and were thought to be cultured he did not even build himself a fine house in the country to perpetuate his memory he did not impress his personality on a garden or a terrace he lived in a house with an area and great shutterless windows like blank lifeless eyes but say you if he was a quiet decent stay-at-home sort of man what does it all matter if he were a true christian if he made those around him happy and contented small need of art or travel to justify his existence well he never drank he never flirted he never sang he smoked a little thank god he was just in a way to his clerks rather brutal to his son rather stupidly indulgent to his daughters who despised his absence of culture his wife died young 
as he was rich men were apt to say he killed her in any case she was of the south country it cannot be said he made anybody strikingly happy while he lived the worst of it is he made so very few happy when he died was it his fault he did try in his will at least to do some good and to purchase by large bequests to colourless institutions a sufficient mansion in the kingdom of heaven this thing and that thing seemed worthy of support seemed to be vaguely beneficial he had no disinterested person to advise him he was not a bad fellow at heart if he had a heart perhaps some other plutocrat will read this and say tell us now if you had some money young man which you never will have since money needs character to obtain and still more character to hold how would you leave it in your will apart from bequests to your family we men of business are i think more likely than you to know how to spend money for charity as for anything else we give and bequeath to sound institutions of proved utility and unimpeachable character how will you better that let me give him a straight answer let me sketch out my last will and testament as it would appear if i were rich well first of all ten thousand pounds would be administered by my friend s on whose judgment i can rely for the publication of jolly or sound poetry also to be used as a travelling fund to take promising young authors on a holiday to corfu where there are no social problems and every one is just as perfectly happy and poor as this life allows i would also bequeath five thousand pounds would i had it in the world to the excellent society founded by friends of ruskin that preserves some of england's scenery from smoke filth and modern architecture there if you like is an unimpeachable institution a little carved stone might be stuck up to serve as a style from field to field and to declare james flecker saved this little view from the vandals then i might leave ten pounds to some favourite author say to mr max beerbohm from a total stranger who enjoyed zuleika dobson to buy a case of port to drink to the immortality of oxford i don't mean by this and my other bequest that every one should fill their wills with bequests to authors this is my will and i'm a reading man and i do think reading men forget to recognize those who give them pleasure far too completely leave to your own guild if you are a consul don't forget the fellow in your service that went smash if a doctor think of the poor fellow struggling in a slum practice even if you don't know him if you are no one in particular imitate my last bequest thus it runs one thousand pounds each to john tubbs greengrocer mary allison a typewriter girl robert johns bank clerk mr and mrs curver and miss black who you ask are mr tubbs and the rest of them no they none of them saved my life from drowning nor are they as far as i know mute miltons or unhung mcwhirters 
they are just some rather decent people in what are called straitened circumstances i got the names of some of them from the old vicar when they hear about their legacies they will be unable to believe their ears they will be struck all of a heap life will suddenly become a fairy tale for them they will be i hope delirious for joy they won't know what to do with the money some will spend it wisely and some foolishly and some i hope will marry on it and some married already will take their children to the seaside the philanthropic institution did not dance when it got its thousand pounds from the philanthropist it was merely gratified to announce the fact but john tubbs will dance perhaps with mary allison i shall not have left my money to institutions that may perhaps do some good after all i shall have certainly made some poor devils happy and that is what christ meant by charity for years englishmen have been puzzled by the difference between charity and philanthropy this war has come to help them war is a great eye-opener all round when the public saw figures well known for their charitable donations rushing mountains of goods home in their motor-cars they did open their eyes it's a wonder they didn't open the cars then when still more distinguished philanthropists gave a thousand pounds to the prince of wales fund and dismissed one hundred employees to make up their loss and a little over the man in the street usually long-suffering as a neapolitan donkey did violently and like a spirited horse protest philanthropy was found out at last the average man has now realized that though many philanthropists are honest well-intentioned even noble-minded men philanthropy itself is a rich man's conspiracy and in the long run a total fraud there should be just one philanthropist in a country and that's the state itself i'm not talking socialism i only mean that when charity which is a personal thing is organized on so vast a scale as to lose all personal interest or appeal it is time the state controlled its institutions much better the country squire should look after his sick with personal interest and avoid boards and committees but the vast burden of supporting our indispensable london hospitals should be if not undertaken at least organized and controlled by the state here again the war is making us think it's obviously right for the women to knit socks it's obviously right for lord roberts to ask me to give my saddle if i have one because i can have the real pleasure of thinking of the gallant soldier who gets it blessing its excellence after a hard ride in france when you come to think of it charity is only of ethical value when it gives pleasure to the giver but when one's asked for half-sovereigns in aid of some vague distress one gives more reluctantly and rightly so one may know the charity's sound and one supports it but one feels all the time how much jollier it would be to give a tramp a meal or to have a belgian as one's guest 
but the great point we are all beginning to realize is that the state seems to have left to vague charitable organization a lot of work which it ought to undertake or at least superintend itself this thrilling this excellent this tragic war is a great schoolmaster may we profit by its lessons at all events lesson number one is over philanthropy is dead end of part nine